All right, well, let's pray. We'll dig into the word. Let's pray. That's just the youth going out. They don't, they don't do it quietly. That's all right. We love you guys. Don't go away, man. Just go away. It's all right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. Lord, as we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We pray that man would decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. Lord, I pray we'd leave here more in love with you, because to know you better is to love you more. So may we know you better. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. All right, so let's catch you up uh, briefly. We're going to be in Hebrews 3 this morning. So Hebrews, uh, you know, text out, well, you take a text out of context, so I get left a con, amen? So I got to make sure we understand the context. So this letter is written by a Jew to the Jews to tell them to quit being Jews. Can I get an amen? Because basically they're the Jewish believers. Most of the early church were Jewish converts to Christianity. They recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Praise God for the Jewish people. Can I get an amen? We teach a Jewish book about a Jewish savior. Amen. And so the letter is being written. Most people believe in the AD 65-ish and the temple is still there. And there's some references to it throughout Hebrews that make us understand that that's the case. So what's happened is people became Christians, but they still had a Jewish heritage and they'd always gone to the temple their whole lives. And so now there was this tear between, well, I want to still keep those traditions because that was God's plan prior to Jesus coming. You know, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law and the Old Covenant. Amen. That's why we don't drag lambs in here on Sunday. Amen. That's why we don't, you know, still observe the Passover, although we can because it points to Jesus. We don't uh, have the day of atonement where we bring sacrifices in. The, the veil has been torn. We can go into the Holy of Holies anywhere at any time, but you can kind of understand the struggle and maybe some of you come out of that. Maybe you went to a, a real religious church, but you didn't know Jesus. And then you came to know Jesus, but part of you, because of tradition, when I pastored the church in Santa Cruz, it was a very large church, and about half the people had a Catholic background. And they'd go to Mass at 8 o'clock and come to church at 10 o'clock. And the reason they would do that, they just felt like, well, i got to cover all my bases. Let me clue you in. Jesus covered all your bases. He said on the cross, it is finished, paid in full to Talistai. Can I get an amen? So this letter is being written to those Jewish believers who are being torn back to feel like they, maybe they should go back to the temple. You know, they'd hear, they'd hear the shofar blow and they'd, you know, a lot of times most of their family was still going and it was hard for them. It was a struggle. So the whole emphasis of the book of Hebrews is the superiority of Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. Can I get an Amen. We saw in chapter one, he is better than the prophets. We saw in chapter two and chapter, th all the last half of chapter one, excuse me, and chapter two, he's better than the angels. And this morning, we're going to see that he's better than Moses. Now, the prophets used mildly by God. The angels, praise God for him. Amen. But we don't worship angels. We don't worship prophets and we don't worship Moses. Can I get an amen to that? So there's the context. So we understand how it's being written. And so I want you to grab your outline if you have it. If you don't have it, this will help you. But I will say this. Last week, we looked at Don't Drift Away in chapter 2 or two weeks ago. We had an Easter message last Sunday. But we talked about Don't Drift Away. And that was kind of the emphasis as she was writing to them. Don't drift away from the word of God. Don't drift away from the one who died in your place. Don't drift away from the one who suffered that you might be sanctified. Don't drift away from the one who defeated Satan and delivered us from fear and death. And don't drift away from our faithful high priest. Well, all five of those are Jesus. So don't drift away from Jesus, amen? So the answer always is Jesus. And so now, 
I tell the message this morning, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. You know, Jesus, again, he's greater than Moses. He's greater than all the prophets. And again, that's the focus. So we want to always consider Jesus. And what does that mean? We'll see that in verse 2. They're gonna, that term's going to be used. Consider Jesus. It means to contemplate, to focus, or to meditate on him. How often do you just turn everything else off? Turn off the phone, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off everything that's distracting you, and just sit at the feet of our Savior and spend time in his presence. Guys, we, if, I, don't know how, I don't know how much you do it, but we need to do it more. Can I get an amen to that? Because a lot of times, even, even at church, we're distracted. We've got a lot going on. Those, those stinking phones are just a, are monopolizing our lives, right? Our youth part, pastor calls it uh, Christian, what does he call it? Digital crack. And he's, he's on the money with that. Can I get him into that? You leave your phone at home, do you go back and get it? Do you go back and get it? Yes. Okay. If you leave your Bible at home, do you go back and get it? <laughs> oh, okay. We got some idols that need to die. Can I get an amen? So look, we need to focus on Jesus. He needs to be more important to us than Apple. Can I get an amen? He needs to be more important to us than Netflix or anything else that, you know, Facebook or whatever it might be. And so stop thinking, consider who Jesus is and all he's done for you. You know why you get depressed? You know why you get discouraged? You take your eyes off of Jesus too long. Amen? If you keep your eyes on him, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Amen? And fear, anxiety, and worry are all the opposite of faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So the three points we're going to look at this morning, Lord willing, we'll look at the entire chapter. Number one, as we're considering Jesus, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, it's interesting, you didn't know that, that Jesus is an apostle. Now, he's not one of the 12 apostles, because he's greater than the apostles, amen? But apostle means one sent out with a mission. And Jesus was sent by the Father, and he fulfilled the calling that the Father placed upon his life to re redeem sinful, holy men, sinful men and women back to a holy God. So we'll talk about Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Then we're going to see that Jesus is better than Moses, just like we talked about this morning. Moses delivered the law to God's people. Jesus fulfilled it. Amen? Moses gave us something that showed us we were sinners, but there was nothing he could do to redeem us. Jesus came, and he took what the law showed us, that we were sinners in need of a Savior, and he died on the cross for us. He paid the price for us. Jesus is better than Moses. And then finally, Jesus alone can save you. I got a little static from last week's message. That's okay. We had some visitors who were a little uptight that I said, Jesus Christ alone is the only way to heaven. Well, guess what? If that offends you, you need to be offended. Can I get an amen? amen. And if your feet got stepped on last Sunday, your feet are in the wrong place, move them. Can I get an amen? amen? The reality is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by him. Amen? amen. There's no other God, no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And so Jesus alone is the one who can save us. So we'll look at three points there. Don't harden your heart. Beware of the evil heart of unbelief. The, it's, unbelief is equated to being evil in this morning's text. And then finally... We need to exhort one another. We need to be in fellowship. We need to be encouraging each other. So let's begin there in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Under consider Jesus, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. There what it says, it says, therefore, 
Therefore, what's it there for? Amen. Whenever it says, therefore, you hearken back to the previous chapter. He's been telling them, don't drift away from the word of God. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't get caught up in religion. Keep your eyes on, on, on the Lord and, and him alone. And then he tells us you know, who he is and what he's done for us. So in light of who Jesus is, in light of what he's done for us, how should we then respond? He says, therefore, again, in light of all he had told them, he says, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Isn't it amazing that Jesus refers to us, or the word of God here refers to us as holy brethren? And most of you would say, I'm not that holy. Can I get an amen? And the truth is, apart from him, we're not. But because of his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, we're holy. Amen? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you've been justified. That's a done deal. Just as if you've never sinned. Your price, the price has been paid in full. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit's come to live inside of you. And you are a citizen of heaven. Can I get an amen to that? Now, but we are being sanctified, which means we're being molded more and more to the image of our Savior every day. So we've been justified. We're being sanctified. That just means being made more like the Lord. But that's where we get the word saint, sanctified ones, set apart ones. That means we're all saints. Amen? You've heard me say it. You're either saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen? You either know the Lord or you don't. You're born again or you're not. You've got faith or you've got unbelief and there's no neutral ground. Amen? That's what Bob Dylan's saying, right? You've got faith, you've got unbelief, right? It's one or the other. And so the reality is that we've been born again, we're sanctified, and that means that we are holy. And this is where, it was only after Jesus died on the cross did he start referring to us as brethren. That means we're in his family. When I was a youth pastor back in the day, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and one of the places I was a youth pastor, there was a lot of gangbangers that would come to our youth group, and they'd always tell me about their homies got their back. Well, my homie's got my back. That's why I hang out. That homie's got my back. I said, create the universe got my back. How about that? <laughs> Can I get an amen? My homie created your homies. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> and he died for your homies. We need Jesus. Can I get an amen? And the reality is that we are part of God's family. We are not just, my, my dad who went to heaven four years ago was a pastor for 60 years. And he'd always talk about the brothers and the sisters because that's what we are. Can I get an amen to that? We're all family. When you got Jesus in common, you got everything in common, amen? And we're going to heaven. Notice he says, holy brethren, but look what he says also, partakers of the heavenly calling. The word partake there, it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it means a partner. We're partners with Jesus in that holy calling. And I love that. That means the calling that was on the life of our Savior is now upon our life. You know, the, what is the Great Commission? To go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you don't know that you're called, you might say, well, I don't believe I'm called. Well, you're believing wrong because you're called. Can I get an amen to that? We're all called to share our faith. We're not all evangelists, but we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to tell people and share with people the hope that lies within us. The most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. It's go to heaven without bringing anybody with us. I had a sales call on Friday. Most of you guys know I have a full-time job. Boy, I love how God does divine appointments even when I'm not paying attention. But I pray for him every day, and I've had this account for 10 years. And I talked to him about the Lord in the past, but we were both kind of in a hurry. And I don't even know how it happened. But 
we were talking about something and we, we were kind of quick and he had to run to an appointment and we were at a Starbucks sitting at a table and he just said, and I said to him, so how are you doing? He goes, well, you know, I, I, I feel like I've had an awakening. Oh, okay, well, let's put everything away and let's talk about that for a minute. And they go, what does that mean? I said, how would you define yourself? He said, I'm spiritual. I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, I just, I just, I'm having an awakening. I feel different. I said, okay, let me, let me ask you a question that really matters. Who's Jesus? Because guys, all we want to do is get the ball to Jesus. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? If he's on the team, get him the ball every time. Can I get an amen? <laughs> just get the ball. If I, was on a, if I was on a basketball team and Michael Jordan's on my team, I would just get him the ball as quick as I could and get out of the way. <laughs> we want to get the ball to Jesus. Can I get an amen? We just want to get him to Jesus. And he said, I said, he goes, well, I, what do you mean? Is he the son of God? He said, well, yeah. Do you believe that he died on the cross? Yes. Do you believe he rose from the dead? Yes. Do you believe that he's coming back? Yes. Do you believe that he's God incarnate? Yes. I said, guess what? You can believe all that and still go to hell. You can? I said, yeah, because the demons believe and tremble. It's not believing. Now, here's the real question. Do you know Jesus? Do you have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Amen. And guys, look, we are partners in that heavenly calling that we need opportunities. When God brings those divine appointments, we are salt and light of this planet. Amen. And we are called to, to know him and to make him known. Amen? And he's saying here to these Jewish believers who are feeling drawn back into Judaism is, look, you're a partner in a greater calling. Jesus is the answer. He was the Messiah we've been waiting for. And praise God for it. And instead of retreating and pulling away from him, we are partners with him. Can I get an amen to that? So we are called to know him and to make him known. It says in Hebrews, back in the previous chapter, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And the verse right before that, he tells us that Jesus is committed to bringing many sons to glory. So we are called to bring others to the Lord. We can't save anybody. God does that. But we are tools in the hands of the master. Amen. And we simply want to be available and pray every day. Lord, give me an opportunity. I know that as I leave the door this morning, I am entering into my mission field. And I know wherever I go, there's going to be opportunities for the gospel. Lord, don't let me miss it. Help me to be ready. Help me to be prayed up and prepared for an opportunity to share Jesus. I love that he's not ashamed to call us brethren. We should not be ashamed of him. Can I get an Amen. He says he's not ashamed to call us brethren, and he knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever done. He knows you best and loves you most. There's things in my life I'm ashamed of. Can, anybody, can I get an amen? Am I the only one? If you're not ashamed, you're a liar and you're prideful. Can I get an amen? Okay, here's the reality. We all have things in our life we're ashamed of, but isn't it amazing that the Lord's not ashamed of us? And we have no reason to be ashamed of him, but sometimes we are. And what I mean by that is when the opportunity comes, and we keep it to ourselves because we're afraid of what men will think. Isn't it amazing that it's easier to pray about people, to pray for people than to tell them about the Lord? Because it's easy to, easier to talk to God about men than it is to talk to men about God. And we need to do both. Amen? So we are partners with Jesus. I want team Jesus. Loving some of that. Can I get an amen? Undefeated. Amen? We win every game. God's in control. I read the end of the book, God wins, yay God. Can I get an Amen? And we're on his team. And it's what a blessing it is to know Jesus and have the opportunity to make him known. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. 
We've not only been saved, we've been called to proclaim the truth of the gospel and again, the great commission. You may not feel called. What you feel is irrelevant. Can I clue you in on that one? Amen? Do your feelings ever lie to you? All day. I feel, but I just feel, but I just feel, but I just think, but I just feel. So what? What does the Bible say? Can I get an amen? I get into marriage counseling. I get into counseling. Well, I just feel. I just fell out of love. I feel. That's got nothing to do with anything. You can choose to love. Love's a choice. Get back to loving. Can I get an amen to that? Agape. Deny yourself and love the other person. Amen? Paul put it this way. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're all called by God. And God desires to use us for his kingdom and his glory. You know what? Nobody you've known for any length of time should not know that you're a Christian. Can I get an amen to that? You're not, you should not be undercover. Amen? Shouldn't be, oh, hey, I've known that guy four years. He still hasn't found out. I hope they know after four minutes. Amen? We should be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's clearly speaking again to people in the church. Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So he's talking to the born again, set apart, spirit-filled co-laborers in the calling to reach the lost. And what exhortation and advice does he have for these Jewish Christians? What exhortation does he have? And it says there, in light of that, and it says, so what should we do knowing that we have this heavenly calling? It says, consider... The apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. There's what I got the title of the message, consider Jesus. Again, the word consider means to contemplate. In Latin, it's actually, a, it means to contemplate the stars. It means a, an idea of an astronomer who takes a quiet, patient, persevering, and concerned gaze as he seeks to discover all that he can know about the objects that he studies. He takes his time, he seeks it. He, he takes away all the distractions. He's going to go out on a clear night, get away from all the lights that would distract him. And he focuses on the stars and he studies them. And that's what we're called to do, to contemplate Jesus. Amen? To spend time in his presence, to gaze upon him. One of my favorite songs, I sang it to my mom a lot before she went to heaven because she loved it too. And it's real simple. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Can I get an amen to that? Turn your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. They're telling, it tells these Christians being tempted to go back to the law, to consider afresh, to spend some unhurried, focused time with the Lord. The only reason you would ever think about going back to a religion that you were once in before you came to know Christ would be that you haven't been keeping your eyes on Jesus because Jesus is better. Amen. Why in the world would you go back to a man-made religion with the man at the focus when you have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You know, judgment day, Jesus is not going to ask you for your baptismal certificate or your confirmation or your tithe envelope. Can I get Amen. He didn't care about any of that. When we stand before God on judgment day, you're not going to have to get out a hell free card in your, in your wallet and pull that out. He's going to, it's all going to come down to this. What have you done with God's son? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him or do you just know about him? And it says there, this is the first time in the Bible, it refers to Jesus as an apostle. The word literally means one sent on behalf of another. Someone with a mission it can also be referring to someone who as an ambassador. And with Jesus, 
often said, and one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We want to know what the Father looks like? Look at Jesus. Amen? And Jesus always is pointing people to the Father, but he is a clear reflection of the Father. So if you want to know what God the Father looks like, look at Jesus. What is, so an apostle is somebody who has a, who's got a mission. He's an ambassador for the one who sent him out. And there was no better ambassador than Jesus Christ. It also says he's a high priest. Now remember what a high priest does. A high priest represents God to men. He, he's the one that delivers the word to men and he makes the sacrifice. But he also represents men to God. So he preaches to men and he intercedes with God. He shares the truth with men and he intercedes with the Father. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? Amen. He is the great high priest. By the way, what's Jesus doing right now? He's praying for us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding on your behalf. And that's a picture of what a high priest does. Amen. So he's saying, look, when you're contemplating going back into Judaism, you're contemplating going back into the old covenant that God created and gave us, but was fulfilled in Christ. You're going back to sacrificing bulls and lambs. You want to go back to having all the feasts and, the, and all the rituals. All that was fulfilled in Christ. Why would you go back? He's the great high priest. Why would you go back? He was the one sent by the father. He, was, he is the apostle, the one that came to deliver the message to us, the ambassador. So guys, we don't want to take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on the world in any way. Notice says the high priest of our confession. The word there means it's of our faith in Christ as our savior in both word and action. Confession is required for salvation. If you didn't know that. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Confession is recognizing what God already knows. Can I get an amen to that? When we confess to God, we're not cluing him in or giving him any new information. He already knows. Amen. He even knows about sin you forgot about. He, you know, he'll, he'll forget when you confess it and you ask for forgiveness. Can I get an amen? So our confession is coming before the Lord and recognizing that we are sinners in need of our Savior, and it's that repentance where we're turning around and we're change of mind and change of heart where we surrender our life to the Lord to make Him not just Savior, but make Him Lord of our lives, to come and rule and reign in our lives. So that's the, it's of our faith in Christ Jesus as our Savior in both word and action. So again, he says there, consider Jesus this should be the focus and passion of our life. Rather than contemplating returning to the law and sacrifices and feasts and rituals, consider the one who was sent by the Father to represent himself to us and goes to the Father to represent us to him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. That's what we need to be doing. Just think about that when you wake up in the morning. I told you guys this years ago, God put this on my heart and I do it most mornings and it's, I just wake up and before my feet hit the ground, I just put my hand up and I say, yes, Lord, your servant hears. And I got that from Samuel when Eli told him, just respond when you hear him call your name. Yes, Lord, your servant hears. And for me, it's just to get my, begin my day before my feet hit the ground to spend some time in prayer and say, Lord, be glorified today in my life. Lord, use me today for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to waste a day. Give me opportunities today. I pray for divine appointments. Help me to honor my boss today. Help me to honor my wife today. Help me to bless my family today. Help me bless the people I minister today. And I'll tell you what, beginning the day with the Lord is a lot better than trying to end the day with the Lord. Can I get an amen? 
Because if you're ending, all you're doing is asking for forgiveness for everything you did all day. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Let's begin the day with the Lord. And I just love that we can cry out to him, that he hears our prayers. Let's look unto Jesus. Verse 2, who is faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Who is faithful? Jesus is faithful to the Father. Now again, it should give us a headache. The Trinity gives me a headache. Does it give you a headache? Okay. There's one God and three persons. Jesus is baptized. Sky opens up. Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And God the Father says from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And there's one God. Can I get an amen? In three persons. And people try. It looks like an egg with a yolk. And it's got a white. And it's got an egg yolk. And it's got a shell. And it's an egg. It's like water, you got steam, you got ice, and you got water, but it's all water. They're all weak. God's greater than that. And, and here's the reality. We're finite men trying to understand infinite God. And here's what faith is. Faith is trusting God even when we, can't, we don't fully understand. Now, we don't believe in spite of the evidence, that's superstition, but the reality is that God is way greater than we can grasp. And I'm glad that he is. How about you? I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm driving along and I'm thinking... He knows what everybody on this planet's thinking right now. Billions of people. He knows what everybody's saying. He knows what we're all going to do next. He knows how many hairs are on the heads of everybody. That's a lot more for you than me, but he knows, right? And I'm just blown away by his capacity to know. You know, you know he holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. He's holding it all together. If he, if he lets go for a second, it's all going to fall apart. Guys, that's the God we serve. Amen. And when you recognize how great our God is, all of a sudden when we come, you know, you hear me when I pray, I always begin with praise because we should. You're a great, holy, righteous, and just God. Amen? You're almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. When we praise him in the beginning, it helps us recognize whatever we're praying for, he's more than great enough to take care of it. Can I get an amen? If he can hold the stars in the sky, can he take care of your finances? Can he help rebuild your marriage? Can he help bring that prodigal son or daughter home? Amen. Can he help you with your health issues? Whatever that is that you're going through, our God is great enough. He is so great, we can't even fathom. And I, told, I say this all the time, but I'll say it again. Heaven's going to blow us away. When we get to heaven, no one's going to go, I thought it would have been bigger. No one's going to do that. <laughs> We're going to get there. You know, it's not like the hotel you booked online and then you got there, or that food you ordered off the menu and it came, it don't look like that. Heaven... Heaven is going to blow us away. And you know what's going to blow us away the most? Is the greatness of the God that we serve. Can you imagine when we see Jesus face to face? Can you imagine we're in the presence of the, of the Alpha and the Omega? Man, it's going to be amazing. And I guarantee you we're going to see God and say, if I had known he was this great, I would have prayed more. Amen? But let's pray more. Amen? But I love this picture here. He, Jesus is faithful. Fully God submitted to the will of the Father. Jesus is faithful. It says, Moses also was faithful in all his house amidst the children of Israel who were most often... Now look, Moses, if you were here when we went through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Moses, what a faithful, faithful man. Amen. Used mightily by God. 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years becoming nobody, and then 40 years proving God can use anybody. Can I get an amen? That's Moses's life. He was going to be prince of Egypt, right? We saw how God protected and delivered him. And then 40 years on the backside of the desert, God appears to him in a burning bush. God speaks to him. And Moses says, I can't do it. I'm a stutterer. I'm the wrong guy. He feels overwhelmed. Guys, some of us feel that way. Well, the same God that used Moses can use us. 
And then God uses him mightily. And I think the hardest years was that last 40 because he had those 3 million whiners with him for 40 years in the wilderness. If you read the Bible, they're the biggest bunch of whiners you've ever seen in your life. You just got delivered out of bondage. You saw Passover. You saw all the plagues. You saw God deliver. You saw the Red Sea open up and get you to the other side. You were whining before it opened. But then after it opened, you got to the other side. And then he's up on, he's up on Mount Sinai for 40 days getting the lawn. He comes down and they're having an orgy. What in the world's wrong with these people? And then they get to the land of promise. We're going to talk about this at the end. And then they don't want to go in because they're afraid. 40 million whiners, or 3 million whiners, excuse me, for 40 years. It felt like 40 million whiners, I'm sure. <laughs> but the reality is, they're all, oh man, you know, we, at least we had leeks and onions back there. Well, how about the beatings you had back there? How about being slaves for 430 years? How about that? It's amazing how our memory is so selective, right? You remember the party, you forget the puking in the gutter the next morning. Can I get an amen? We always remember, oh, back in the day, everything was amazing. Well, here's Moses. He was a mighty man of God. He stood for the things of God when nobody else would. Moses was used mightily. Moses, Moses was a faithful man. Was he faithful his whole life? What's the answer? Was he? Did Moses get to enter the land of promise? What's the answer? Why not? Smote the rock. He misrepresented Jesus, misrepresented God, right? The rock's a picture of the Lord, and he was supposed to just speak to the rock. He smote the rock once. That's a picture of the crucifixion. Then he speaks to the rock. He got mad. He smote the rock a second time. He, he acted in anger, and God told him, well, you're not going in the land of promise. But here's the real reason Moses didn't go in the land of promise, because Moses is a picture of the law, and the law can't save you. Can I get an Amen. So who brought him into the land of promise? Who was it? Joshua. Joshua. That name is also? Yeshua. Yeshua. Jesus. Amen? You know what? Because the law can't bring us in. Only Jesus can. Amen? There's types all over the Bible. The Bible rocks. You got to come on Thursday nights. Old Testament's great. Every chapter, Jesus is in it. Can I get an amen? So Moses is a faithful man. Moses was, a, you know, we don't use this term because there's none righteous, no, not one. But you could say he's a good man if you just use that term. Jesus is better. Amen? But here's part of what the Jews are wanting to do. These Jewish Christians, go back to Moses. Go back to the Mosaic law. Go back to the old covenant. And he's reminding them, yeah, Moses was a faithful man, but Jesus is better. The law is good, but it never saved anyone. What does the law do? The Bible tells us it's a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. It's a mirror. When you hold up the law, Whenever you witness to somebody, the first thing you should do is establish that they're a sinner. So I was talking to my customer. We started talking about being spiritual. And I said to him, well, you know you're a sinner, right? And most of the time people go, yeah. Once in a while you go, well, I don't know. I'm a pretty good man. Compared to who? who, who you know, well, I'm no Hitler. I'm glad you got a high bar for yourself there, bro. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? How are you doing compared to Jesus? Oh, Amen. And I'll and I I just say, well, how many, how many sins does it take to be a sinner? One, you ever told a lie before? If you tell me you never told a lie before, you're going to lie again. That's another sin because, dude, you're, we've all lied. We've all lied. Anybody here never lied in their life? Don't raise your hand because you'd be lying then. Can I get an amen? So the reality is that we, once you recognize we're sinners, then we'll see our need for a Savior. Until we've been convicted about our sin, we'll see no need to be converted. Can, can I get an amen to that? So the reality is that the law is a good thing, and God used it. But if the law, if it was just Moses and Jesus didn't come along, all we would know that we are sinners separated from God. And all the sacrifices are pointing to a coming Messiah, but they could not pay the price. That's why Jesus came. Amen? 
All the, he was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world before the foundation of the world. So the blessing is that all those sacrifices were all pointing to Jesus, but they were just a shadow of what was to come. And now Jesus has come. Why would you run back to the shadow? Why would you run back to the thing that was pointing to Jesus? Because now you've met Jesus. Jesus is better. The law is good, but Jesus is better. It's the source of our salvation. It paid for, he paid for our sin. He restored sinful man back to holy God. And he spoke the words that God gave. You ever think about how Jesus was faithful? I could stand there for the next five hours. I couldn't even get close, but I'll just give you a few. He was faithful to his calling. He was faithful to do the will of his father. He was faithful to live a holy, sinless, and perfect life and be the example for all of us to follow. He was faithful to endure temptation and yet without sin. He was faithful to proclaim the truth of the gospel. He was faithful to disciple the apostles. He was faithful to endure persecution, mocking, beating, scourgings, and the crucifixion on our behalf. He was faithful to redeem sinful men and women like you and I back to holy God. He was faithful to raise from the dead, and he will be faithful to the end, our God. God is faithful. Amen. And we can trust him. And when he says it, it's a done deal. Let me ask you a question. Are we being faithful to the calling on our life? Are we being faithful? If you don't know what you're called to do, you can't be faithful to it. Can I get amen? We need to be faithful. God's called us. He didn't just save us to be pew potatoes. Amen. Or chair potatoes in this case, or, or picnic t- table potatoes. Amen. <laughs> God saved us to use us for his kingdom and for his glory. The world's not faithful. It succumbs to fleshly appetites. You know when you become unfaithful? When you let the flesh overrule the spirit. Can I get an amen to that? So there's that spiritual battle that takes place every day. When I was a youth pastor, again, for a lot of years, I say you have a fleshly tiger and a spiritual tiger, which one wins the battle? One you feed the most. Amen. So if you're never in the word, don't be, don't be surprised when the flesh is tearing you up all day. Can I get an amen? If you don't spend time in God's presence, if you're not seeking his face, if you're not in fellowship, if you're not surrounding yourself with other believers, what are you going to do? The flesh is going to take over. If you, just, if you spend 15 hours watching Netflix and five minutes in your Bible, you're going to have a problem. Amen? People aren't faithful. Are people faithful to their marriages? No. Why not? Because they, they do what their flesh wants to do. Well, I'm, I'm getting out of this because I'm just, I'm out. Well, you, you've got eros love, which isn't love, it's lust, and you, you care only about yourself. Agape gives, eros takes. Can I get an amen? For God so loved the world that he gave. Husbands, agape your wives as Christ agape the church and gave himself for her. Amen? That means you love someone outside of yourself more than yourself. I, I have to confess, I have a hard time sometimes in marriage counseling when I've had, and it's usually guys. I'm going to be straight up. It's usually the guy. By the way, when I do marriage counseling, ladies, you might want to sign up now because I spend 80% of the time talking to your husband because <laughs> he's called to be the spiritual leader in your house. Can I get an amen, guys? Amen. You're called to set the tone. You're called to love, to serve, to lead, to provide. A man who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. And if you're not leading your family, and if you want to know how you're doing spiritually, take a look at your wife. She should be blossoming and blooming, not being depressed and anxious and fearful because you're not ministering to her. Can I get an amen to that? So God's called men to be the spiritual leaders in their house. And I'm so tired of men looking at me going, well, you know, I just, I just feel I, we fell out of love and I, I met someone. And always, it's always somebody else. You know what? You signed up. You made a vow before Almighty God. You stay and pray and get your act together and start being the husband God called you to be. Can I get an amen? All the guys said, I'm not going to that guy for counseling. One time, never doing that. Stay away from that guy. 
pray and stay. Don't bail out, work it out. Can I get an amen? God is greater. We made a vow before the creator of the universe. Can I get an amen to that? And we would need to honor it. So Jesus, first of all, we see as the apostle and high priest of our confession, we're his holy brethren, we're partakers with him. Jesus is faithful. In light of all that he's done for us, we should consider Jesus, keep our eyes on him. Point number two, Jesus is better than Moses. Look at verse three. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Moses was given the instructions to build a tabernacle. And he was faithful to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle, as they wandered through the wilderness, was the place that they would go and make sacrifice. And it was built almost to the size of the temple, and it was something that was temporary. They'd pick it up and carry it and move it. you got to love the Old Testament, because they'd wake up every morning, and they had to look up. And I love this. They'd wake up every morning, and they would look for the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire, right? It's cloud by day, fire by night. And they would look up, and if the cloud moved, they knew they had to pick everything up and move until they found the cloud and stopped again. And they would stay there, and every day look up, and when it moved, they moved. Guys, we need to do the same thing. Look up and only move when God moves first. Can I get an Amen. Let God be the one that leads the way. But they set up the tabernacle. The tabernacle all was a picture of Jesus. We don't have time to go into it, but you got the bronze altar. You know, it's made out of bronze, a picture of judgment. It's got four points, blood on four points, the animal slain in the middle. Again, a picture of the cross. You got the bronze altar, I mean, the bronze laver where they go and cleanse themselves. They're covered in blood. They cleanse themselves. Picture of baptism. Again, we've already been forgiven, but now we're a picture of how we've been cleansed by the Lord. You walk into the holy the holy place, and there you have the altar of, of uh, the bronze altar, excuse me, the uh, golden lampstand, and that is a picture of Jesus being the light of the world. Amen? Then you have the table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. And then you have the altar of incense that's right at the curtain where the holy of holy is, and the altar of incense burns 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a picture of Jesus who intercedes for us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, coming into the holy of holies. Amen? And then you go into the holy place that they only went into, the holy of holies, they only went into it on the day of atonement. Only the high priest could go. The veil had, they would open the veil and there was the, the Ark of the Covenant. And again, we talked about it. It's a, it's a box, not a boat. And, and in it, it had the mercy seat on the top. It had Aaron's rod. He's the great high priest, a jar of manna. He's the bread of life. It had the, had the 10 commandments. He is the word of God and the fulfillment of the law. And then you saw the, the two angels with their wings touching. They would sprinkle the blood in the middle. And on the day of atonement, they would come out. And when they, saw the, when they saw the priest come out in white linen, they knew that their sins had been forgiven or pushed forward another year toward the coming Messiah. Well, tell me that's not a picture of the resurrection because when Jesus died on the cross, we know, we saw this last Sunday, they ran in and what did they see? Angel at the foot, angel at the head, bloodstained clothes in the middle. And when the one came out, right, who had once been clothed in white linen, we knew that we, our sins had been forgiven. Can I get an Amen. Bible rocks, amen? Now, he built the tabernacle, and praise God, he did. And he was faithful to God's instructions. So Moses was a godly man. Guess what? Guess where the temple or the tabernacle is now? Where is it? It's in us, amen? So he built what pointed to Jesus. But Jesus is greater because it all pointed to Jesus, Amen? That's the whole point. So Moses, used mightily by God, 
But Jesus, far more glory from the Father at his baptism. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased on the Mount of Transfiguration at his resurrection. He who built the house was, has more honor than the house itself. Again, the Lord is the one who it was made, made the tabernacle significant. And who built all things is God. Moses was a faithful member in the household of God, but Jesus is the creator of the house. He is worthy of greater glory. Moses, faithful man, Jesus, almighty God. Moses ministered to Israel under the old covenant, the foreshadow of things to come. Jesus fulfilled the law and delivered mankind from sin and death. Moses, as we said, built the tabernacle under God's instructions, but we know that all of that was a pattern of heaven and all of it was pointing to Jesus. Moses built a model and Jesus made the heavens. Amen? When I was a kid, we used to make models. Let's just show you how old I am. Most of you go, what is that? Isn't that somebody who wears clothes and walks down a ramp? No. We had these models. You go buy these things. They had like, you know, 200 pieces and you had glue. And it would give you instructions and you'd glue it. And I, my brother and I liked to do airplanes. And we would hang them from the ceiling. My mom loved that, by the way. But we'd hang them from the ceiling with, you know, like fishing wire. We had all these planes and, you know, until we'd get bored of them, we'd take them outside and blow them up with firecrackers or something, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> But those models were kind of cool, but they were not the same as the jets that they represented. Can I get an amen? And the models that we see that men create are a blessing, but they're nothing compared to the real thing. Amen? Because all of it was pointing to Jesus. Moses was a godly man, but he did not compare to Jesus. Verse, four, verse 5 and 6. And Moses was faith, indeed was faithful. In all his house as a servant for the testimony of the things which should be spoken of afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast in the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. So Moses is a servant for a testimony of the things which would be spoken afterward. Moses was a servant. All the things he did were foreshadowing of Christ who was to come. But Christ came. And Jesus is more than a servant. He's the son. Can I get an amen? Who has more honor in a house, a hired servant or the son? Well, Jesus is the son. Moses was a faithful servant used mightily by God, but Jesus is the son. He's the fulfillment of everything that Moses pointed to. Not many of us have live-in servants, but in ancient times, it was very common. And if we walked into someone's house and we gave more praise and glory to the servant than we did to the son, it would be an offense. No one would be happy with you, not the servant and not the son. That's why we do not praise men ever. Can I get an amen to that? People want to praise men and I'm of this person's church or I follow this person. I follow Jesus. Can I get an Amen. By the way, there's not going to be a Calvary Chapel section in heaven. I love the Calvary Chapel movement. I've grown up in it. And what I love about it, it's kind of my family, my clan, if you will, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, teaching, expositional. I love it. I have relationships here. But I'm not of Calvary Chapel. I'm of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we all follow him. And he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And he's the one, he alone is the one that we follow. And we do not elevate men to anywhere close to Almighty God. Amen? But sadly, that's what happens. Here's what all the cults do. They make God less and man more. Everyone, name one. The Mormons believe that Jesus Christ is a created being, and he and Lucifer are brothers. It's Mormon doctrine, okay? 
And the God of, of our planet used to be a, God, a man on another planet, but he was such a good man, he got to be God over our planet. And he just, then they had to vote and decide amongst these, these heavenly elders who was going to be the savior of our planet. And Lucifer had his plan, and Jesus had his plan, and they picked Jesus, so that's why Lucifer got mad. I'm telling you, this is what they believe. Here's what's even scarier. They believe that Joseph Smith is equal to Jesus in a lot of ways because they believe he brought the newest revelation and that he, he and Elohim and Jesus are going to decide which heaven you get to go to. And if you're a good enough man here, you get to be God of your own planet. That's Mormon doctrine. And they put little badges on and come to your door, knock on the door, and they're always real clean cut and they're nice people. They need Jesus. Can I get an amen? We need to pray for them. It's a doctrine of the devil. Amen. Why? Because you, whenever you make Jesus less, that's blasphemy. Can I get an amen? And when you make man more, and this is why we need to be careful. Don't praise men, praise only God. Amen? I know when someone doesn't know me, when I get a letter and it says the Reverend David Johnston on there. We don't revere anybody but Jesus. Can I get an amen? Don't throw that reverend out. Can I get an amen? Reverend, nothing, right? And it's just amazing to me, but we don't revere, we need to revere Christ alone. See, the Jews are being tempted to go back to the law of Moses and make it equal or something necessary while they had a relationship with Jesus. What are they doing? They're making Jesus less by making man more important, by making a denomination more important, by making a religion more important. When you put it up to or equal with Jesus, something's wrong. Amen. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of friends on Facebook just because we're on a lot of radio stations and stuff. And there's one guy, he's back on the East Coast, and he's an old fogey guy, and he needs, man. So he'll, he'll, he'll pick on me and say, you know, I saw your live stream. You guys have drums. You know those are from the devil, right? And if I came to your church, I don't care if you're the be- you guys are teaching the word. If you have drums, it's from the devil. I'm like, oh, bro, you need some help, man. And it's just legalism to the nth degree. I watched his worship. It's painful bringing it. You know, it's just pain. It's this whole thing. I grew up with it, so I can make fun of it. The black tie, the guy singing out of tune. We're going to sing verses one, three, and four. And it's just painful. So worship can't be good. Can I get an amen to that? It's okay. It's, when we get to heaven, we're going to worship, and then it's not going to be quiet. Can I get an amen? Uh, when we worship, it should be contemplative, and we should be... And it's okay to have worship that way. But David danced before the Lord. Can I get an Amen. And when we worship the Lord, let's bring that. When I go to India and I'm in a room with a hundred guys, it sounds like a thousand people because they're shouting to the Lord at the top of their lungs because six months ago they were Muslims. Amen. And they're so thankful that they know Jesus. Amen. And we need to not lose sight of that. We need to praise him at the top of our lungs. And again, we need to recognize what a blessing it is to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to be put our confidence in him, not in men. Well, which Bible version do you use? Oh, man. Do you, do you baptize in the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus and you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do you baptize babies? Do you dedicate babies? Oh, just stop all of it. Just stop it. I don't want to hear it. Can I get an amen to that? What have you done with God's Son? Who's Jesus? Let's get back to the real point that really matters. Amen? So it says, we're, it says whose house we are. Now, again, there was a physical tent in the wilderness, but Jesus made us a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And now you're a new creation in Christ. Do you know the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 that the Holy Spirit is a down payment on heaven? Did you know that? 
It's like a promissory note that you're going to heaven. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. How do you know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? Because he comforts you and he convicts you when you sin. Can I get an amen to that? If there's no conviction, there's been no conversion. Amen? So praise God. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are the body of Christ. The people in this out here, we're the body of Christ. It's not the building, it's the people. We're the church. Amen? And that's why important we be wherever God's people are. But notice it says here, this scares people. It says, Christ, his son, is over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm till the end. Oh, wait a minute. If, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does that mean, that, does that mean if I'm good on Tuesday, I'm going to heaven? I'm bad on Wednesday, I'm not. And then on Thursday, I get my act together. And I'm going back to heaven. And on Friday, I'm not. So if, I, if I'm being good or if, I, what does that mean? Well, thankfully, that's not what it means. It contradicts both the context of the chapter and the entire letter that Jesus paid the price, it's paid in full, and it is finished. Here's the whole point. Following Jesus is not something that we do to earn salvation. It's something we do because we've been saved. Can I get an amen to that? See, if you've given your life to the Lord, you will endure. Amen? If you love, it doesn't mean you won't sin. It doesn't mean you won't have, might have, not have moments of rebellion in your life. But if you truly know the Lord, you will not walk away for long. Can I get an amen? You'll be drawn back into the Lord. Then you might ask me, well, what about Pastor Dave? What about somebody who served the Lord for 10 years, then blaspheme his name and walk completely away? Here's what I would tell you. That person was never saved because if they were, they couldn't have stayed away that long. Can I get an amen? See, if you know the Lord, the conviction is going to bring you home. Amen? And praise God, the word confidence there is, it talks about a freedom of speech or openness. As believers, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We have confidence to approach the throne. We can come into the presence of Almighty God anywhere and anytime, not because of our good works, but because of the blood of Christ. Our confidence is not in us. We fail. Our confidence is in Christ. That means we can be confident forever. Amen? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need only worry about persevering if our faith and confidence is in ourselves. And if it's in you, you're going to fail. If we truly trust in Christ and our faith is in him, he cannot fail and we will persevere. We have confidence in Jesus, his word, his faithfulness, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And praise God to that. And then it says there, Confidence and rejoicing in hope, firm to the end. Saints, again, we do persevere. You may, you know, we used to call this in the 70s, backsliding. Anybody heard that term before? Guy's backslidden. He's back. What that means is they've fallen away for a time. And again, if he doesn't return, he never knew the Lord. And if he does know the Lord, he will come back. Final point, Jesus alone can save you. Now he's going to, you know, I love how this happens. I think in almost every chapter in Hebrews, I'll have to double check it, but he quotes the Old Testament. And, Jew, and, and Hebrews is referred to as the Old Testament in the New Testament. Because remember, he's talking to Jewish believers who had followed the Old Testament. Now Jesus has come, so he uses the Old Testament to point him to Jesus. And we can always do that. You can always go to the Old Testament and you can point people to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. So he's quoting Psalm 95, but it refers to Numbers 13. And we mentioned this a little earlier. Let's go through this. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, okay, do you notice that? He's quoting the Bible and he says, as the Holy Spirit says. Who wrote the Bible? God did. Specifically, the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? 
He says, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes the Bible. When people tell us the book was written by men, they were penned by men, but it was written by the Holy Spirit. Can I get amen to that? Okay. And it says there, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. In the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they would not enter my rest. He's talking about when the children of Israel, after being delivered out of bondage in Egypt, after passing through the Red Sea, after being given the, you know, the, the law. And after coming to Kadesh Barnea, about to enter into the land of promise, they come to the Jordan and they sent in the 12 spies. If you remember what happened, the 12 spies came in and they said, you know what? It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything that God said it was. It says that two guys carried, had to carry a group of grapes. So they're carrying, I, mean, I don't know if they're size of bowling balls or what, but some big grapes, okay? So they're coming back and they see it. And sadly, the 10 said to the millions that were there, getting ready to enter into the land of promise, that Jordan's a picture of the spirit-filled life, stepping into all God has for you. And what do they do? Because of fear, there's giants in the land. If we go in there, they'll crush us like grasshoppers. And two guys said, not so much. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. Good Bible students. I like it. So Joshua and Caleb were like, dude, we got this. Pa- Pastor Dave paraphrase. We got this. We'll crush them. And it was the two of them that said, let's go. And the other 10, because of the faithlessness of the other 10, millions turned away and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And that entire generation died out before they got into the land of promise. Everybody 20 years of age and above, the only two that didn't die, they got to enter in were Joshua and Caleb because they had been faithful. The point is this. This is a picture of our lives as Christians. Egypt is a picture of the world. God's delivered us out of bondage. Red Sea, picture of water baptism. God meets us. He gives us his word. And now we're headed, you know, it's that sanctification process. We're headed to God's highest for our life. But sadly, a lot of Christians never cross the Jordan. They never, they, they, they're saved souls, but wasted lives. It, God's heart was grieved. He was angered with those people because why? He had told them to go into the land. And what did they do? They reject. They had a heart of unbelief. It says in the text that it's evil. Unbelief is evil. And unbelief is not something in your head. It's really something in your heart. Because it's not just understanding something while we don't believe. Unbelief is not saying, I don't understand. What it's saying is, I don't trust God. Can I get an amen to that? Let me say it one more time. It's not, I don't understand. It's, I don't trust God. Because there's things we don't understand and we trust God anyway. Can I get an amen to that? And we don't believe in spite of the the evidence, but we we have to trust God. That's what belief is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is, right? And so they get to the land of promise. They miss out and God's angry. It angers him when he brings us to that place of promise where he wants to use us. He wants to bless us and we turn around and go in the other direction. And the only thing I can think of is as parents, imagine if one of your children is brought to a place of blessing and they choose to go back to the something that you know is going to harm them and eventually end in their death. Would you not be angry as parents? You'd be heartbroken, but you'd also be angry. Can I get an amen to that? And that's what, here's God in heaven And he brings him to the land of promise. You're going to go in and you're going to wipe out all the enemies. It's going to be amazing. 
oh, we, no, we're not, we're good. We, we don't, no, they're, they're too big for us. We can't do it. You know, they got this virus out. We can't be having church. You know, it's too big for us. Our God's greater. Can I get an amen to that? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know what we need? We need godly men and women today who will put their foot in the Jordan because the, jo- the river didn't part till they stepped out in faith. Can I get an amen? And as soon as they stepped out in faith, the Jordan River parted. They entered into the land of promise. And I love that Caleb, who was 85 years old, asked for the land of the giants, the biggest giants in the land. At 85, I might have wanted a pup tent and a rocking chair and some Doritos or something by the Sea of Galilee. But he said, I want the giants. And he went in and whipped the giants at 85 because you plus God is a majority. Can I get an amen? And so God has a, a design and a plan for our lives. And sadly, many Christians were stuck between Egypt and the land of promise. God saves souls, but a lot of times our lives are being wasted. We're not experiencing everything that God has for us, and it's tragic. And provoke God to anger because they refuse to trust him and to enter into all that God had for them. Can I encourage you? The result was 600,000 men. That entire generation died in the wilderness. You know what God did? He got rid of all the faithless. He removed all the faithless so the faithful could enter in. Maybe not, we be, maybe not be faithless. Can I get an amen? Both faith and faithlessness are contagious. Did you know that? If you hang around a bunch of people who lack faith, you'll lack faith. You hang around a bunch of people who have faith in God, you'll have faith in God. Can I get an amen to that? I think we saw with this pandemic, the people that hung around together, oh man, I'm scared to death, I'm going to die. Gonna... And look, if you had a pre-existing condition, you stayed home, God bless you. But the point I'm making is, I'd get chastised for having church. I'm like, oh, look, if you're worried, stay home. It's okay. But I'm not, so I don't, should I have to do what you want me to do? That, that, you know, that's called legalism. When my personal conviction becomes a prerequisite for your life, can I get an amen? So I want to obey God, whatever God tells me to do, amen? And we see, sadly, that there's too many of us that, that we're going to get to have, it's like the parable of the talents. We buried our talent in the sand. And then it comes back, and we're going to give him back what he already gave us, without any interest. Can I get an amen? Because it was sticking in the ground. Heartbreaking. Let me finish. Let's read sad here, last few verses. Beware, brethren. Verse 12. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Here's what he's telling them. He calls unbelief evil. The evil heart of unbelief. Someone say, someone's just saying, well, I don't believe. That's evil. You've rejected God. Amen? We've got enough to believe. The Bible says, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out his name. If you, look at, if you look at creation and you don't see Jesus, you're not paying attention. Can I get an amen? So Jesus reveals himself to everyone. We're all accountable, but it's an evil heart that has a heart of unbelief. He says, beware. A warning t- takes on a greater weight in light of the previous example of what happened in the wilderness. And he says, exhort one another daily. See, here's something we need because we can have moments of faithlessness. We need other people around us to encourage us. We know there are people around to exhort us. You having a bad day, bro? Let me pray for you. How are you doing? What's going on? How can I minister to you? How can I encourage you? And, I, and now those roles might change a week later. Where they're encouraging you, where you were encouraging them. Can I get an amen? Christianity is not for the lone ranger. When you isolate yourself, you're on your way to depression. Can I get an amen to that? Cannot be alone. It's not for people to be alone. It says exhort one another daily. The church today, we need to encourage each other. We all need fellowship. You see someone slipping, love them enough to put your arm around them. Encourage them to holiness, to faith, to obedience. And notice what it says here. It says in verse 14, 
Well, notice he says there, lest you be hardened be through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin's a liar. Did you know that? Sin promises pleasure and delivers destruction. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Can I get an amen to that? If it wasn't pleasurable, no one would do it. If sin was lima beans, I'd have no problem. Can I get an amen? It's chocolate cake, all right? It's steak. Can I get an amen? It's something that... that grabs your flesh and draws you toward it, and it's pleasurable for a moment, but it lies to you. It lies, well, you could do that. No, yeah, yeah. Well, you start flirting with a girl at work, and then, you know, you have an, and then all of a sudden, you've lost your wife, you've lost your children, you've lost your family, you've lost your name, you lost everything, it all fell apart, and Satan's laughing. Sin is deceitful, amen? Don't be led by the flesh, walk in the spirit. Let's finish up, for we have been become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. When someone truly loves the Lord, they will endure. If someone truly loves the Lord, doesn't mean they're sinless, but they're... Guys, when you give your life to Jesus, you're in for life. Can I get an amen to that? It's not something you try for a few years. We said those stickers, try Jesus. Oh no, we don't try Jesus. We, we get adopted by Jesus. Can I get an amen? And it's a lifetime call. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. He says, look, he's quoting the Old Testament again. If you hear his voice today, respond to him today. If you ever had someone invite you to their house, say, yeah, come on over like in the next six months. That's not an invitation. Can I get an amen? We'll get together sometime next year. Yeah, they're not inviting you. They, they're blowing you off. Can I get an amen? But if they say, come over to my house this afternoon at three o'clock, I'm, I'm going to be barbecuing some steaks. That's an invitation. Can I get an Amen. The Lord calls you today, not six months from now. He calls you, let today be the day of salvation, the Bible says. Amen? He calls you today. Then he says, for whom having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom he was angry 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey so we see that you cannot enter in because of unbelief. He's equating what happened at the Jordan in the land of promise with where the people were at that moment, which was being, wanting to go back to Egypt, wanting to go back to the old covenant, wanting to go back to the old way of life instead of pressing on in what God has called them to. Does that make sense? So he's taking this Old Testament picture and giving them a New Testament truth that totally made sense to them. So, Consider Jesus. Contemplate. Take some time to turn everything off and spend time in his presence. Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He's the one who was sent by the Father. And again, he is the one who intercedes on our behalf. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than everything. Moses used mightily by God, but he was just pointing to Jesus all along. And finally, Jesus alone can save you. Don't harden your hearts. Everybody that goes to hell will go there because they've got hard hearts and refuse to repent. Can I get an amen to that? He desires that none should perish, no, not one. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Let's get our eyes back on Jesus. Can I get an amen? Let's make him the priority and the passion of our lives above everything else. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. Thank you for everybody's patience today. That was a lot. But I know that your word is good and it does not return void. And Lord, I pray we would not be satisfied with saved souls and wasted lives. We wouldn't be satisfied wandering in the wilderness, having been delivered from bondage, but not entering into all you have for us. Lord, I pray that we would 
desire to walk in the center of your will, to be used for your kingdom and for your glory, to walk in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. I also pray, Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today, today would be the day of salvation. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there's no way I could teach a message where it says, come to him today and not give you a chance to come to him today. So if it's your desire, you recognize you're a sinner like the rest of us. Maybe you've known about God, you've known about Jesus, but you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. Again, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. That confession means to recognize you're a sinner, come to the Lord and say, I want you not just to forgive me, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to surrender my life to you. If that's your desire this morning. If you will stand or, I'm gonna have you stand. Stand, if you'll stand up, I will pray with you. And when you pray, if you mean it in your heart, your sins will be forgiven. The Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And you will know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven and all the angels in heaven will rejoice that you gave your life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you've never done that, but you know you need to, and the Holy Spirit's been convicted you, I want you to stand where you are and I'll pray with you. Anybody at all. Confess him before men. He, he hung on a cross for us. Let's not be ashamed of him here in front of everyone else. Anybody at all. Let today be the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your infinite mercy. Oh, Lord, may we consider Jesus every moment of every day. Eyes on you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...